As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. We have a full house once again as we near the new Premier League season and we are going to answer, finally, your questions. And my goodness, have we got a lot to get through. Absolutely brilliant response from you guys, as always. So I'll introduce you to our crew. Hello, Carl. Good morning, mate. Hello, Laurie. Hi, Ian. Hello, Andy. Hello, mate. Laurie, um, I'm going to start with you. It was very nice of you to add on that little bit of an update on Maguire and McTominay at the end of the last podcast. We never sleep, do we? Sleep's overrated. You can sleep when you're dead. (laughs) And when the transfer window closes. (laughs) I was going to say. (laughs) It's moved on a bit, though, hasn't it, with Maguire? I mean, there's lots of questions that we'll get to on Maguire and the situation with that. But just briefly, just to kick us off, what's the latest with him? Yeah, so that £30 million bid that West Ham submitted, it, I think it took a bit of tweaking, but it's been accepted by Manchester United. And uh, my indications are that Harry Maguire is open to going to West Ham. I don't think that personal terms for him will be a problem. The only issue is the gap between what West Ham can pay him and what he's on at United, where he's got two years left on his contract. So he's on £190,000 a week at United when they're in the Champions League. I think West Ham are looking at £100,000 a week. So there's that, there's a big gap there, you know, where he will say, well, I'm, I'm contracted for, you know, £90,000 a week more, which over two years, I think he's like nine, nine and a bit million. Um, so it's a hefty chunk of money. So United will have negotiations with Maguire over that so that the deal um, gets done. But it does feel like that's the direction of travel now that, you know, West Ham have, have had the bid accepted. I think Maguire realises that to play regularly and maintain his England place and also just just have fulfilment in his football career you know West Ham offers that he'll certainly get much more game time and under David Moyes who's a big fan I suppose the only thing is there's been a bit of uncertainty over uh, David Moyes' position um, but I think the way that West Ham are, are going about their business at the moment shows that they are you know trying to you know spend that Declan Rice money uh, with some purpose and uh, I think that he's sort of Maguire that is has, has come round to the realisation that if he stays at Man United it's going to be very difficult to get those minutes and yeah as I said I meant, mentioned before that the captaincy thing I, I do think that had an impact you know being overlooked for, for Scott McTominay and Tom Heaton in, in friendlies for the armband so yeah that's the uh, the update that we have at the moment he, he needs to get an agreement with Manchester United which Laurie touched on there 
Um, I don't think David Moyes would have been West Ham manager if he hadn't won that trophy in Prague. There's definite tensions there. If Harry goes, he'll move from the team with the highest average home crowds to the team with the second highest average home crowds in England. Is that right? That is a good start. It's a good start, isn't it? And that's West Ham are the true. second highest home crowd last season. West Ham are one of the best supported teams in the world, mate. I'll ask you about McTominay in a moment, Laurie, if I can. But, Carl, just while we're on Maguire, you've written about it. There's a piece on The Athletic about his time at Old Trafford. Taylor two halves, basically, isn't it? You can almost sort of draw a line through the point where it went or started to go wrong for Harry. It really, it really has. And there is a tendency among a section of United fans to say he was bad the entirety of his time here. But I do... He wasn't. Yeah. I, I really, really want to remind people of what was being said after that ankle injury after the Aston Villa game. And the things we were all saying on this podcast and the questions we were getting on this podcast in the lead up to that Europa League final against Villarreal. United fans were desperate for Maguire to start. They hoped he'd taken a painkiller injection. They hoped somehow he'd be able to heal from that ankle injury quicker because he played 71 games in a row. What? 6,000 minutes in his first season, 1925,000 minutes in the second season. And he was looking like one of the better centre-backs in the Premier League, if not one of the best centre-backs in Europe. He got voted team of the season. And then 21-22, it all just falls apart. I remember we were talking about, it was the one-all draw against Southampton right at the start of that season where United didn't play very well and Shaw, Maguire and others really looked like they had a Euros hangover. And I remember watching one foul Maguire gave away where he just wasn't interested in playing the ball. Ball got played over the top, run into space. Maguire's like, I'm not going to be able to get there in time. And he just batters the Southampton attacker. Referee comes over to argue with him and he's not looking at the referee saying, he's just pointing at the spot because this is where I gave away the foul. You do that in the last couple of minutes of a game, Okay, fine. You just decided to get a yellow card. But the problem was Maguire kept doing that. He stopped trying to play football, stopped trying to be a good defender and just started picking up really cheap yellow cards. Last season, he got nine yellow cards in 31 appearances, which is just an appalling disciplinary record, especially if you're supposed to be the captain. But he couldn't really handle attackers who were quick. And if attackers were strong, he'd just sort of suplex them and give away a yellow card. And that was it. He just wasn't a Manchester United player in those last 18 months. Yeah, I remember the game away at Nottingham Forest last year that he started and after about two minutes, I think he'd made a mistake and passed the ball out of play or given the ball away, something like that, for, for one of the um, Forest attacks. And at that point, there was so much focus on literally every last little thing that he did that I just thought, how on earth is he going to get past this at, at mm-hmm. Manchester United? And, and lo and behold, it probably looks like that he, he's not going to and, and hopefully it's better for him at West Ham. Um, you can read Carl's piece, of course, on Harry Maguire's Manchester United career on The Athletic right now. Just very quickly before we move on to the questions, Laurie, McTominay, is that part for the moment then? I think so, yeah. United's valuation of him is more than £40 million, from what I understand, and West Ham's bid was around £30 million. That's quite a, a decent gap to, to bridge, I suppose, although, you know... United have known in, in their negotiations when they're buying players this summer that those those gaps can be bridged. The status is that he's you know uh, a United player and that there's not uh, it doesn't seem like there's momentum in that discussion at the moment. West Ham have since agreed a fee with Southampton for James Ward Prowse. That's another midfielder in as well as uh, Edson Alvarez from Ajax. Although there is interest in Pakatar from Man City, so you know they value him very highly. So. I, I, 
If that one gets done though, maybe that then opens the door to them coming in for McTominay again. But yeah, as it stands, I think that one's just been paused. Okay, great. Thanks, Laurie. Um, we'll get to the questions in a moment. Very quick reminder though, um, of course, our live shows are coming up. London is completely sold out, like we said on the last podcast, but there are some tickets still available in Manchester. We're at New Century on Monday, the 4th of September. Go to myticket.co.uk for all the details on that. Basically, we need a big thank you at this point because the response that we've had to questions, I know we've teased it more than I think anyone's ever teased anything. We've been saying for about two weeks we were going to answer (laughs) your questions, but the email mailbox has been absolutely inundated. We've had questions from, well, Australia, India, Tanzania, the USA, Spain, Italy, Nepal, Manchester, even Dublin and Belfast. They're quite nice places to visit. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe in the autumn sometime, I don't know. We yeah. should we but should yeah, try, shouldn't we? We should try. At some point, yeah. Just yeah. a thought. But um, amazing. Absolutely incredible. So thank you so much, every single one of you, for sending those questions in. And we're going to try, over the course of this podcast, to get through as many as we can. We were going to just do a season preview, but basically, the questions you've sent are all-encompassing. So it seems perfect just to run through them. And we start with Andy Mitten's favourite subject... And that's transfers. <laughs> First question is from Oz in Wales. He says, my question is this. If United were to go big on one player in the next three weeks, who, in your opinion, is it most likely to be? And do you share my optimism that it could still happen? I'm not counting Amrabat or a lower-cost centre-back, by the way. Thank you. Andy, what do you reckon? Don't know the answer. It's not going to be Harry Kane because David Ornstein's just broke the story that he's going to... To buy Munich. Is he though, Andy? Is he? Is he, is he though? So, David Ornstein, buy Munich have reached an agreement with Tottenham to sign Harry yeah. Kane. Sources yeah. in Germany indicate. But, All right. But. Yeah. Shouldn't have, I wish I wouldn't have said that and read that out. So. <laughs> he's, he's, it's up to him now, isn't it, for Kane? It's up to him. Yeah. I don't know the answer to who Eric Ten Hag absolutely wants. I know there's a, several players who he, he completely admires. Um don't know whether they've faded from view. I mentioned on on this podcast, uh, Colin Wani and, and uh, Mohamed Kudos. Um, but I think if Harry Maguire moves on, then you'd be looking more at a, a central defender. I've seen some of the name linked. I think Manchester United will sign another goalkeeper. Um, I don't think Dean Henderson will leave, actually, but I still think Manchester United will sign another goalkeeper. But that might be one who, who is younger. Dean Henderson won't leave. I'd be surprised if he left. Mm. Because because Nottingham Forest have signed the goalkeeper. They, right. I think they can they can sign two Forests. Yeah, they can. I don't, I don't think that necessarily. Yeah. But I agree with Andy that it it once felt like it was going to be a quick deal once the season was over because Forest wanted him. The issue is that he's been out injured for seven months now. He still hasn't played as if he United, even though he was on preseason tour. The managing is recovery from uh, thigh surgery. I think it was um, mm-hmm. quite delicately. Uh, and the latest situation with it was that they were negotiating. They, they wanted a loan for us rather than a, a permanent sale, which United were open to as long as there was an obligation to buy in it. And it came down to how many games did he have to play to trigger that obligation. So obviously United were looking at like two to five games and Forrest were like 30 games. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I, I don't know, because yeah, signing Matt Turner from Arsenal, but I don't know. Yeah, I think that still could happen, but I agree with Andy. It, it, I suppose as the weeks go on, it feels less likely. Okay. Well, you mentioned Harry Kane a moment ago, Andy, and Anthony has been in touch. He says, I can't help thinking that Harry Kane does not offer enough off the ball to suit Ten Hag. It feels like it will be the same situation as Ronaldo 
without the nostalgia. Am I totally wrong? Carl, what do you think? Yes, you're totally wrong. <laughs> Go on, lad. Yes. Like, just, well, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, Anthony. I'm, I'm not going to put you up on a billboard, but um, one of the problems with Cristiano Ronaldo's second spell was while he did try and drop deep and get involved in build-up play, he's not very good at it. Ronaldo, when Ronaldo made the transformation from a willowy, lithe winger to arguably the greatest goal scorer of all time, he focused wholly on scoring goals. He's never been a fantastic passer. He's okay, pretty good passer. He's very, very quick. He's got a lot of assists for Real Madrid. But his build-up play, his ability to play balls into space for other people is not anywhere close to Harry Kane's ability to drop deep and play as a number 10. Right, I spent many a time on England duty and whatnot. I, you know, I watched it, I covered England throughout the Euros. And a lot of points in time where I was yelling at Harry Kane, stop dropping deep and passing the ball, just get in the box. But the thing is, when Kane does drop deep and pass the ball around, he's one of the best, better playmakers you can find. His progressive passing is absolutely extraordinary for a number nine. He's so good as a number nine, he's almost a number 10. So to say that he doesn't offer enough off the ball or deeper off the ball is just factually incorrect. Kane is one of the best strikers in the world still. And that's why Eric Ten Hag had him as his number one strike target going into the, the transfer window. I gave a pretty detailed appraisal of him as to what the different opinions were about him from Manchester United last week. It was very, very positive. I said that there had been some reservations from some people at United that his game had changed. And that was set against an A-plus report. The aggregator accounts got that, completely twisted it and made it look like Manchester United were pulling out on Harry Kane. Went, that's completely not true at oh, all. Andy, that's what you said, I think, isn't it? No, I think mm. they, they called it right there with you. You, you know, you I, I bad mouthing Kane. It verbatim, actually. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, he was always the absolute number one for um, for Eric Ten Hag. There was um, some comments made to him that um, his game had, had changed and he came too deep, and there's reasons why he came too deep, and I think he's taken all that on board but I don't think it's any slight towards Harry Kane as a footballer that United didn't uh, didn't sign him I think it's more to do with the financials as we continue this discussion of off the ball um there's many ways you can play off the ball as a striker so you have someone like Cristiano Cristiano now has what we call off the ball gravity where he, if he just stands in a certain position a defender's going to go that's Ronaldo I've got to go stand over there and that creates space for other football players now if Ronaldo, when he was at United, stood closer to the goal, that would have created extra space for the likes of Rashford, for the likes of Bruno Fernandes, for the likes of Jadon Sancho and others. But because Ronaldo wanted to be involved in a lot of touches of the ball, he would go, he'd drop deep, touch the ball, not do too much with it. And so it didn't really create space and whatnot. Whereas Kane, who has an attacking gravity of his own, is very good at, I'm going to stand here deliberately drag this person out of position and then correctly play the ball into the space, which is something that, I mean, Rasmus is probably going to have to learn quickly and probably have to develop quickly. You've, you've got off the ball play isn't just where you're stood, but also why you're stood there and how that works in relation to time as well. Ronaldo, very, very good near post runs, especially when he was incredibly quick, very, very good at headers, very, very good attacking the back post. Kane, good at attacking the near post. A very good example of Kane's off-ball movement came in the game England had over the summer where he linked up with Luke Shaw and Marcus Rashford there. That got everyone going, ooh, maybe. But uh, yes, I think it's important to be very specific when we talk about off-ball play because it doesn't necessarily always mean what you do 
when you're defending. Well, keep a very close eye to The Athletic for the very latest on Harry Kane turning down Bayern Munich in favour of waiting for Manchester United to come in with a late bid because they do rate him, despite the fact that Andy Mitten says that they don't. Um, <laughs> sorry, Andy. Uh, right, we need to talk about defenders now as well. We've had tons of questions. Uh, to read out some of the names we've asked about this. Tom Altman, Davide Gualano, uh, Sodre, uh, Tendai from Zimbabwe as well. Um Basically, varying ways of asking, Laurie, who are Manchester United going to sign? Now Harry Maguire is leaving. The names mentioned uh, are Pavard, Tadebo uh, and Tapsoba. Uh, they seem to be the three that are recurring now as well. What do you understand to be United's position on this? Yeah, latest information that I have is that they are assessing the market. Um, it, it does, you know then suggest that the Maguire thing is is happening. It's just that they're now looking at who they could bring in as a replacement. Clearly, Johnny Evans is in the building already. I do sort of wonder if they ultimately just go and, and, and sign him up on a free, low-wages low contract for, for a year. But then I think Tenag would also want, a, you know, a, a kind of more... a younger version, shall we say. I mean, Johnny Evans is 35. Pavard is someone that's been spoken about before, even in the January transfer window. And that was actually interesting in that he was a kind of right-back option, you know, when Ten Hag was looking at Wambasaka, looking at Dallow and thinking, do I need a, an upgrade here? Um, you know, Pavard's played for France at the World Cup and, you know, he's 27, played for Bayern Munich at the moment. So he's, you know, he's, he's that elite uh, sort of uh, level. Although, you know, whether or not he is exactly what Ten Hag would want in a right-back, um, th- there's a question there. The interesting point to that is that he actually wants to be a centre-back now. Uh, so that's what his his preference is. So that's why I think his name has come back in discussion as a potential replacement for Maguire. Uh, and yet, as far as I know, that there are some conversations going on at the moment about him. Um, the the other two defenders, I must admit, I don't know if Carl knows them better than I do. I, I would be lying if I said I know their game at all. So, uh, and I don't know where they're at with that. But United have, I mean, they 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 um, they, they spoke with Disassi, mm-hmm. Axel. A former Monaco striker. Uh, it's now striker. Chelsea. Yeah, Monaco so so yeah. they have been looking at this situation. Yep. I mean, Kim Min Jae as well. They were sort of looking at him a little bit. I mean, that got that got overhyped earlier in the summer, where it was you know he's coming, he's 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 on the way, and you know he's obviously gone to Bayern. I mean, he was a player that United looked at before he even went to Fenerbahce, I think. So they have reports on all these players. You know, they've got a massive database, and it's just whether or not they 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 go for them, and, and you, can, you can question the strike point at, at different moments. But yeah, pa- Pavard is one that I, I you know. I could I could see that one happening, you know, um, just given his contract situation at Bayern Munich and the fact that United have been in talks with him before. Carl, if your eyebrows got any higher, they'd be off the screen and towards the ceiling. Yeah, I'm pulling the face at the Pavard stuff. It's <sighs> okay. I'm not saying Pavard's not a good football player. I know we've all seen his volley for France against Argentina 2018 World Cup, and he has had multiple good seasons for Bayern Munich. However, bringing Pavard to Manchester United raises more questions than it creates answers. I think at 27 years of age, someone who's moving to be a right-sided centre-back and right-back cover, that where does he fit in? How much? I understand Rafael Varane has had a number of injury issues, but I, I can't quite see Pavard coming in and playing constantly to the level that he wants to play next season or the season after that. So that will create complications. And also at 27, he's approaching what, you know, the peak age or peak age windows for fullbacks. And okay, you know, centre-backs apparently peak a bit further. If you brought Pavard in, 
are you doing that to turn Manchester United to title challengers this season? Or are you doing it to turn Manchester United into title challengers in two or three seasons? Because Pavar suggests you want to try and win a title now. And I don't think Ten Hag and United are ready for that. The idea, at least in my head, the, you know, the sense I'm getting from all the movements in, in the summer window is that Ten Hag is, is, getting, is planning to, to push for a title, not this season, but the ones after it. So surely you want to get a younger centre-back who's perhaps happier to play 20 games rather than push to get 30 or 40 right now, which is why I'm like, mm, Pavard. Pavard's phenomenal on the ball. I mean, ball at his feet, try and create things. Well done. Big thumbs up. Defensively, I've seen a lot of Bayern Munich games in the Champions League where I saw a lot of big teams go, let's go attack Pavard and see what happens. And what happened was a lot of chaos. I think the way that Ten Hag has, has uh, managed, he, he wants to win now. You know, I know, I know that title will be, you know, I would say it's beyond United this season. It, you know, let's not get carried away. Uh, City were far and ahead, it but <laughs> but the way that United, you know, he pressed for signings last summer, he pressed for signings this summer. So he's he's been, you know, so I, I don't know if I think that's I think Ten Hag wants to win now, even if he might not be able to. I think he, his his ambition is that. Andy, interesting talking about targeting Pavard. That's what Australia did. He was completely at fault in the World Cup last year when Australia um, took the lead. He was exploited and went ahead. That said, I, I saw him last year score a, score a really good goal for Bayern Munich against Barcelona in um, in camp now. I'm not watching him all the time. I'd need to speak to someone um, who's watching him more than me. But I think I'd be inclined just to, to trust the judgment of Eric Ten Hag. Although we can't question, we're allowed to question it, you know. Vout Vegos, was he a good signing? Savitsa, you know, we're allowed to, to, to critique um, the signings that would come in. We can't just say all power to the manager because he gets everything right because, you know, not every player is an outstanding success. Kim would have been perfect for United and what they want. He, he's very good on the right hand side and he can, you know, moonlight on the left. And I think if there is one player who. I could, if I could go back in time and get one player to, to be right back cover, I would have stopped Chelsea from getting Malo Gusto from Leon because I, I am very high on him. And I think, okay, Reese James is going to be Chelsea captain next season. But I think the games that Gusto does play, you're going to really, really see a fantastic right back in the seasons to come. I suppose the impact of, of Pavar coming in, uh, Andy, is what it does to Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Diogo Dalo, Victor Lindelof as well, maybe most pressing if he, if he does want to play as a right-sided centre-back. And we've had a question from Aaron Singh about this. He says, does Lindelof not want to leave United? He seems almost in a similar situation to Maguire and will rarely play if Ferran is fit. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think Victor Lindelof is very highly rated by people at Manchester United. The idea of him playing at full-back, well, I was in the stadium in Madrid last year. I'd probably not like to see a repeat of that against Atletico. That was, that was horrendous. But I think he, Victor Lindelof finished last season strongly. Believe it or not, players do get injured. You do need backups if Harry Maguire's going to go. And we know what Rafael Varane is, is a player who's had a lot of injuries throughout his, his career. So I know for a fact that Victor Lindelof's highly rated and to my knowledge, he's pretty settled in, in Manchester. So I think he's probably... Um, the second choice central defender because Luke Shaw would probably play left back. I said in the last podcast that right back is probably the main area of concern for Manchester United. I don't think, uh, given a blank checkbook, 
um, Eric Tenag would go out and buy either Diogo Dalot or Aaron Wambasaka, and that leads us into play with linking um, different players in that position. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, selling players. Um, It's on the agenda, isn't it, with Harry Maguire leaving. Um, A question from Adam. I don't know who wants to take this, uh, but it appears to me United aren't very good at selling players. Seven million for Tellers. I don't think it was as much as that, but anyway, seven million for Tellers, fifteen million for Alanga. When you have the likes of City selling unknown, unproven youth players for up to twenty million, and Chelsea selling has beens like Ziyech and Koulibaly for thirty odd million, what do United get wrong here, Carl? United need to get better at winning games and winning trophies, and then all of a sudden your fringe players will start going for more money. In short, the reason why Man City are able to sell their academy players is because they've won. Three Premier Leagues in a row. They did a treble. Ugh. Right. So everyone goes, oh, if you've come through the City team or the City Academy, you must know how to play football. Okay, we're not going to win a title with you, but you must be good enough to do something. Lo and behold, Anthony Langer finished last season with fewer than a thousand Premier League minutes to his name. He was probably seventh choice of all the wide players at Ten Hag's disposal. And yet he's gone to Nottingham Forest for 15 million because Manchester United are now playing good football and have just won a League Cup. You win games, you win trophies, and all of a sudden people think your fringe players are better. That's the secret. United haven't been very good at selling players recently because United haven't been very good at winning games recently. Thank God for Ten Hag. City recruited better than United. I remember speaking to one of their coaches a decade ago and he said, my job is to bring players through who we can sell for three to five million pounds on the off chance that one of them does actually make the first team. Manchester United's youth recruitment reached a low point in 2015. They're spending four to five times more on the youth side, on the academy, than they were seven or eight years ago. I think there's good people in there now. I think we've seen evidence of that, winning 
the FA Youth Cup. Carl's right, a winning machine creates a winning mentality, creates interest. Back in the 90s, United will get considerable fees for people like Michael Appleton, Phil Mulrine, who weren't quite making the first team. Uh, United have just put um, Luke Federenko in, in charge of recruitment and the academy. He's well, well regarded. And I know the type of players that they're looking at and they're going toe-to-toe with Manchester City and with Chelsea, who've been the best um, two recruiters, followed by Liverpool and maybe Everton in recent years. But I think United's academy is in a good place. That's reflected by results and some of the personnel in there. OK, next question. Uh, that was Adams. This one is from Moz. Laurie, if you want to take this. With all the talk around Ten Hag reshaping the squad and clearing the decks of players, what do we do with Martial? Keeping him with his wages for a player whose body just isn't up to being a modern-day athlete seems ridiculous, in Moz's words. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, ideally you'd sell him, wouldn't you? And you'd get a bit of money back in the uh, bank and then you'd reinvest it in somebody that could play more frequently and that you actually you know, wanted to, to build your strike force around. I mean, clearly last summer Ten Hag thought that he could do that you know he had a good pre-season uh, and then it just evaporated and you could sense the frustration when he actually speaks about Martial it is and I know managers are you know kind of more likely to praise players in public but he is quite um you know energized by the um the way that he speaks about him in, in terms of his technique and quality and that, that's not in doubt is it but clearly it's the fact that he just can't stay fit I mean it was bizarre that he was on pre-season tour you'd see him come through the mix zone walking smiling you're like are you, you going to play Anthony and he's just like better better you know uh, and it just I mean he's a laid back guy but you kind of want more fire from your centre forward right I mean Look at Hoyland. <laughs> I know we've only just sort of got to know him a little bit, but you sort of sense that kind of um, big personality in him. I mean, Marshall's contract is um, until 2024 with an option to extend for United. I mean, do they extend it and, and try and sell him then? I mean, they, they need a run of games from him because there's no way a club is paying, you know, a decent sum of money for a guy that hasn't played for it. I mean, it's, it's, is it three or four years that he hasn't made 90 minutes? It's something crazy like that. I just wonder if they have to just accept that he's going to be a player around the squad. Um, he can play occasionally um, for the next year and then you, you end up just releasing him. I mean, it sounds bizarre, doesn't it? At 27, 28, but I think that might be the way it goes. A couple of like questions here about Belfast and Dublin, bizarrely. Uh, the welcome you will receive will be unprecedented in Belfast. Sellout guaranteed and it'll be quick. Looking forward to cocktails with Laurie and proper pints with Andy. Not sure what Rory's talking about there. Stephen as well, Dublin show. I think Ian subtly hinted, I hope the words come out better in Ireland, if we go there, hinted at coming to Dublin for a live show. Any truth in that? Are um, people getting the wrong end I'm of the stick sure, here? I, I don't know where they're getting this information from or this no, I, reading of I it. I think they've got the right end of the stick. Anyway, let's talk about Roy Keane. Um, Andy, you probably can take this one. I was surprised to see Roy Keane appear on the United social media pages modelling the new third kit. I had the impression that Bridges had been first fiercely burnt in the past and Keane had little time for getting involved with the club. Has something specific happened to change this or is it a case of dust settling after 18 years? Bridges burn with who? With a person or with a club? Bridges burn with Sir Alex Ferguson is very different to Bridges being burned with Manchester United as a football club. And Adidas have, have, have gone to Roy Keane. They've offered him a job to do it. He's weighed it up. He's agreed to do it. And we've seen a pretty mixed reaction uh, to that from United fans. I thought he looked pretty cool, actually. Still in good shape. Quite like the kit. My first reaction to it was Liverpool. But I tend to form my opinions on kits depending on what the results are like with them. That's such an Andy Mitten thing to say. <laughs> He's right. Like well, it's, I'll see well, if they're winning it first. 
He's right. <laughs> but look, but look if, if, if you win 4 0 at Liverpool away, you're you wearing the, the most minging kit in the world, it suddenly becomes a 10 to 2. Whoa, you're not, you're not bad, that kit, after a all. 10 to 2. <laughs> Roy, Roy Keane has mellowed. You can see um, his, his character. You know, if you'd have said to me five years ago, Roy Keane will go on the road to Ireland, to cities like um, Dublin, we've not mentioned them yet, and do a road show with Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, I would have no said chance. there's absolutely no chance of that. And he's probably thinking, I'll make my own decisions, and he's decided to help promote Manchester United new kit. I don't think okay. there's anything more to it than that. No, OK. That was Thomas's question. He said he listens to our podcast in the car with his mum and dad on holidays in Scotland. So hello, Thomas's mum and dad. I hope you're having a lovely holiday. Um, next one from Thomas, another Thomas in Norway. I can probably answer this one, I think. He's asking basically why it's worse or why teams and players say it's worse um, to play Thursday, Sunday when you're in the Europa League rather than Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday in the Champions League. Um, and I've spoken to a lot of players about this over the years. And basically, because you just get more time to recover when you're in the Champions League, your schedule can be Tuesday, Sunday even, which means there's a huge gap between matches, whereas it's always Thursday. And more often than not, it's always Sunday. Occasionally, it's a Monday. But then that then affects if you're playing on the Thursday the following week. So it's basically the gap between matches. Also, I think the travelling as well. I mean, these three will tell you about some of the far-flung places that Manchester United went and by proxy they went, covering United in the Europa League last year. Trips to um, Moldova and, and places like that Cyprus. are far rarer. that was a couple of planes, wasn't it? And Cyprus, yeah, are far rarer in the Champions League. It does happen, but there's just not many of them. So I hope that answers that, Thomas. Right, Dave, Hoyland injury. Laurie, you've written about this. Um, delighted the show is back. I listen every week. Thank you, Dave. Where's the bit where he asked the question? In his absence, I'd prefer Garnacho on the left and Rashford up front. Do you think that's what Ten Hag will do? Or do you think it'll be Rashford left and Sancho up front while Hoyland's out? We understand Hoyland's out to the end of the month, Floria. Yeah, I mean, United have said themselves that it's going to be a few weeks. Um, the information that I have is that Arsenal is the game that they're targeting. So that's three games that he would uh, miss. Uh, it was interesting that they released some training footage of him yesterday, I think it was. Um, smiling, you know, out and about. He's doing solo work on the grass at Carrington. And, and the injury is a back injury so it's uh, I mean the Daily Mail had a really detailed report on this actually where they spoke about the medical showing up a signs of a potential stress factor at some point so you know that was I think part of why it took a little bit of time to fully complete the deal and therefore that's why he's not currently in training full full pelt and, and you know going to be starting against Wolves on, on Monday so you know that it's a long-term project he's 20 years old um, I think it just shows the faith that United have got in him to, to still complete the deal for a lot of money um, but at the same time yeah they've got other options um, it's probably not ideal is it you know you've got Marcus Rashford up top I think he prefers to play on the left I think that's probably where he does his best work but at the same time he, he has done the centre forward role and I think that you know with, with Garnacho on the left and Anthony on the right I, I get the feeling that's what uh, Tenag will start with um, although Sancho I do think has, has done okay as, as that false nine but I just feel like the way that Garnacho has done in pre-season the kind of electric form that he's showed and the fact that Anthony, you know, is has got a good understanding with Rashford, it seems like from that the pass that he put through to him, I kind of feel like that's going to be the the, the front three. Um, but it, it would be nice to have Hoyland back as a as another option as well. Thank you, Dave Morgan. I hope that answered that one for you. Um, one for Andy. 
I believe Andy has been to 91 of the 92 current league grounds in England. Which one is missing? Wimbledon's new one. I've seen Wimbledon play at Plough Lane, Sellers Park and Kingstonian, but I've not been all? to the new ground. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah, so I've not been to the new one. So that's so none of the one. teams who came up from the, the National League, then you'd, you'd already done all of those then? There was no issue no, with that? No, l- last season, just... Let me just check. My wife's not listening to this. While I was on a family holiday, I sneaked off to Forest Green. And while I was on a, a trip to London on New Year's Day, I uh, sneaked off to Sutton United. So there two that I'd not been to. That gets me up to 91 again. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Any plans Wimbledon. to go to Wimbledon? Molding off. I'm just savouring the moment. I hope I don't <laughs> die before I don't go. And I, I am a bit worried in case teams start coming up or going down. Like if, if Forest Green go down this year, I'd be like, can't believe what a pain it was to go there. And now you've gone down and spoiled it. But this this is, you know, the, the type of stupid things that go on in my brain. I've been invited to Wimbledon, right? even by the club, saying, whoa, come on, we'll make a fuss of you. But I don't want a fuss being made of me. I like going, paying my, my way in and keeping my head down. And that that's like my release from the work of going to some of, of the bigger matches. I know that might sound, might, might sound odd, but that's where you go. I also, I take um, insurance bets. So I popped through Bath last year and I, sn- I, told, I told them my wife had to do an interview, which is true. But the interview was only 15 minutes and I sneaked off and got the second half at Bath City where two different people came up to me and said, they listened to this podcast. I'm not joking. That was on, uh, yeah, it might have been December the 31st last year. Good old ground to work and park. It is, anyway. it is a good ground. I've been there more than once because uh, yeah. Eric Cantona was there. because He was. Looking for Eric. Ken Loach. Ken Loach. Ken Loach is a Bath yeah. City supporter. He's a Bath City supporter. He did looking for Eric and then Cantona was there. So when they were in the, on the early rounds of the FA Cup, when I was a university student, I was there. Uh, that's from Chris Mooney, actually, in, in Ermston, Andy. He's not a friend of yours, is he? <laughs> yeah, 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 I do know Chris, yeah. So he probably knows, you know, exactly what I'm like. Yeah, that's probably why he's asked the question, isn't it? Uh, right, we'll try and get a few more in before the end of this podcast. So let's do these quite quick, if we can, gentlemen. Um, Carl, this is from Joshua Woods. Of the starting 11 players against Lawns, only one, Raphael Varane, hadn't either been signed by Ten Hag or been given a new contract by him. I think this is quite impressive for a manager in the first year in the job. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I'll probably do a piece next week about how quickly Ten Hag puts his authority on his clubs because this is something that we've seen at his time at Ajax, at his time at FC Utrecht. He gets one summer where he sort of evaluates everything and then the second summer he goes, right, you, you and you, you're in and you, you and you, you're out. There tends to be a very big uh, spate of outgoings in the second summer and uh, Harry Maguire, could be the first big name in what could be a series. Yeah, yeah, there's a few more, isn't there? Like we talked about on the last podcast, go back and listen to that if you want to know more about the players who could leave Manchester United before the end of this summer transfer window. Laurie, we said we're going to rattle through these, so good luck with rattling through this. This is from Ben. It's gone extremely quiet on the takeover front. It's been a long time since we had any concrete news. During this period, we've had a tour of the US, three kit launches, a new bumper £900 million deal signed with Adidas, uh, not to mention the ticket prices in Oslo and Dublin. Are they still genuinely interested in selling or do you think this summer has made them remember just how much yearly income and even partially successful United can bring? I mean, yeah. Uh, I think that the takeover situation has gone very quiet. I don't think the bidders are aware of where they're at with it. Um, 
things can obviously change quite quickly, but I think you're getting the sense from Avram Glazer turning up at training, turning up at a game, that he has some investment, uh, whatever you might want to term that, in United. Um, and just the, the the vibe you get from from everything is that there's there's no uh, rush to hand over the keys to Old Trafford to either the two main bidders. Does that mean that they're going to get a minority investment? Because they do need to still raise funds for the stadium, you know. Uh, so that's the the huge thing, which which all which provoked this strategic review in the first place, which did have sale as part of that, and clearly, Rain the bank handling it were pushing for. A full takeover. That was the uh, the impetus. Even though you know the other people might say, well, it was always a you know an option to just look at um, what we could get in for different um, percentages of the, of the club. Uh, yeah, is this you answering I know, this quickly? I know. I, it's just it's, I'm just tired <laughs> of it all. I just want it to be over. I just want it to be <laughs> clarified. Um, but this the scent. You know, I think if the if the bids had been what they wanted, they would have accepted by now. And if they'd been unanimity. If it had been a unanimous decision amongst the siblings, then it would have been accepted by now. So I think those two things are very clear to me. Okay, last two questions. One to Carl, one to Andy. Carl, you first. This is from Ronnie in India. Why do United keep facing teams who have just sacked their manager and come with a new manager bounce? I guess it's a curse of all the managers we've sacked in the last 10 years after having Sir Alex for over 26 years. Looking forward to your weirdest answers. Um, Don't be weird, Carl. Just answer it normally, please. I don't know. I don't know. I think... No, tell a lie. Here's a theory. Maybe if you're a team that's about to sack your manager, you go, yeah, sack them. They can have a free hit because you're not really going to be able to beat Manchester United. And then you can focus on the winnable games that come after Manchester United. I will probably go off and pester Duncan Alexander um, and see if new manager bounce is a thing and how it relates to Manchester United. For so it's week. a backhanded compliment then, basically, to Manchester United. Yeah. yeah. Just like, well, this manager's not going to beat United or lose them to... You know, this, if you're a manager like to get sacked, you're probably already going to be losing to Manchester United. So why don't we just sack you, bring someone else in, they get a free hit, and then you can go do what else, else you need. I like afterwards. it, yeah. Right? yeah. And I don't think we've ever had a manager sacked in the build-up to the first game of the season facing Manchester United before. That does seem to be a new one uh, with Gary O'Neill. It's never fun playing Wolves, is it? No, never they find a way to Wolves. make it less enjoyable. It was looking okay. <laughs> but you never know, it might still be fine. Right, last question. Lots of people asking what constitutes a successful season for Manchester United this year. I could name them, but there are so many people who've asked this. You know you are. Ultimately, the way to pose this is to Andy Mitten and to say unequivocally, at the dawn of the new Premier League season, what is the new gold standard for Andy Mitten? More points than last year for Manchester United. More goals than last year for Manchester United. Anything silver? A year on from a game at Wembley, going back to Wembley at the start of June and smashing Manchester City in the Champions League final. Wow. <laughs> he went big at the end there. That he started be... small and then <laughs> mic drop. And I thought it was going to be like more throwings, yeah, more corners. <laughs> I was wondering where it was going to start. Is that fair, lad? Seriously, more points and more goals scored? Yeah, because... totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because that ensures the top four, doesn't it? Uh, for a start so United absolutely have to do that for any standard I think uh, of a season and that also points to progress doesn't it which I think we're all of the mind that we think that this year will be too soon for United to mount you know considered serious title challenge but being in the top four again in the Champions League again another couple of transfer windows Laurie's wagging what about more drama 
Because that's what you remember from following <laughs> Manchester United. I want more drama, more more doesn't heart dra- pumping moments. But- Mate, Positive drama. drama I heard don't any more seven well. nils at Anfield, heard... mate. That was drama. Yeah, that, that was wasn't, drama. no, that wasn't drama. Yeah. That Listen. was just embarrassing. Drama was two one against Barcelona at home. Drama was Man City two one at game. home. Exactly. Top game. Comebacks, <laughs> fight, passion, more drama. But we'll record against the top teams. We've stumbled upon this, haven't we? Especially away from home. Especially yeah. away yeah. from that's, home. Away from home. That's the one thing that that has to change. I think um, Leicester, who went down last year scored more goals away than Manchester United did. So that plays back into my original point. But yeah, the, the, you've got to be, cannot be losing to eight of them top teams away from home. That was the, the real fault line in last season. Right, well, I hope you all enjoyed that. We all enjoyed answering them, certainly. Thank you again for everyone who sent in questions. If you ever want to get in touch with the podcast, we don't just do specials like this. You can get in touch at any point that you like. The email address is devilspod at theathletic.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, all the very best coverage for Manchester United as we start this new Premier League season is on The Athletic including all the latest on the transfers ins and outs that this summer may still hold. You can sign up now for $1.99 a month the special podcast price for the first 12 months by going to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. We're back on Monday after Manchester United's first game at Wolves all together huddled in the press box at Old Trafford so you can look forward to that reaching your ears sometime on Tuesday morning and I hope someone will bring a pack of Maltesers for Andy Mitten because we don't like him when he's hungry but for the minute Carl thank you very much Andy thank you very much Laurie thank you very much and thanks for listening at home we'll see you on the next one let's see how Manchester United do as we start this new campaign thanks for listening bye bye The Athletic Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favourite teams or sporting events we've got the spot Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.